Welcome to Talks at Advent, homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia. Today's speaker is Dr. Bo Bruce. Brothers and sisters, during Passion Week, Subdeacon Stephen and I often spoke in our sermons about the importance of sitting with Christ's passion and crucifixion. We spoke of how the church calls us to read all four gospel accounts of those events on Palm Sunday and the week following, where then, on the most solemn and joyful day of the year, the Easter Vigil, we read only once the resurrection account. Christ is risen. Yes, indeed, he is risen. So shouldn't we all feel that sadness and suffering have come to an end with that resurrection? And yet, we know that's not the way the story ends. In our reading, in fact, the very next week, we find the disciples cowering in fear in the upper room. They already know about the resurrection. Mary Magdalene told them that she's seen the Lord. Peter and John run to the tomb and find it empty. And yet, the disciples are hiding behind locked doors. And it's unclear whether knowing about Jesus' resurrection has given them any joy at all, or it has just simply made them more afraid of what the Roman authorities may do. And yet, Jesus comes into the midst of them and says, Peace be with you. Even though they were joyful that the Lord was risen, their joy doesn't last long. And our Easter passages remind us of this. The next week, the church tells us how the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. And then Subdeacon Stephen preaches the following weeks on how the passages begin to turn to another event that worries the disciples. Jesus starts talking about leaving. A little while, and you shall not see me. And again, a little while, and you shall see me. Because I go to the Father. The disciples are sorrowful. And they think he's literally leaving for a little while. He did say that after all, but they quickly realized that soon on God's time is not soon on our time. We, knew na- we know now that soon meant an entire age. And as St. Peter tells us in his second epistle, do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. And Jesus says that when he goes, you shall weep and lament. But the world shall rejoice, and you shall be sorrowful, but your sorrow shall be turned into joy. And this week, we hear that sorrow has begun, and Jesus knows it. He says, because I have said these things unto you, sorrow has filled your heart. So this is quite the emotional roller coaster for the disciples. Christ is risen, yet there is still sorrow and suffering. Even Jesus' friend Lazarus, who we read that Jesus raised from the dead, is not raised from the dead permanently, but rather raised from the dead to continue to experience suffering in this world, and ultimately, death yet again. So where are you today? Are you excited about Jesus' promise to the, that the Comforter is to come? Or are you struggling today? Does the Easter season feel more like Lent 
more a fast than a feast, particularly with the shadow of the coronavirus and so many other turmoils and stresses going on that are still lingering over us in this world today. Are you showing the world around you Easter joy? Or are you simply getting back to a humdrum routine? Has Jesus' resurrection transformed the world within you the way it transformed the world around us? If you're living more the ordinary than the extraordinary, then take heart. Because we know for a time the disciples did the same. We read in St. John's Gospel at morning prayer last week that after the resurrection, Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples went fishing, not for men, but really, literally, for fish. It seems that not even a month has passed since the resurrection, and despite experiencing the most incredible events firsthand, most of the disciples are going back to normal life. They'd been fishing all night and caught nothing, and this is the story where Jesus stood on the shore and tells them to cast the net, and they catch so many fish, 153 to be exact, that they struggled to haul it in. Then there's this remarkable parallel to Peter's triple denials of Christ that we read in each and every one of those Passion Gospels during Holy Week. We recall that the denials take place at daybreak, when the rooster is crowing. And likewise, this story happens at daybreak. In John's Gospel specifically, Peter's denial take place while he's warming himself at a charcoal fire. When our Lord asked Peter three times if he loves him, the disciples arrive on a shore, and it's Jesus who's standing by the charcoal fire. You may think it's just a coincidence. Maybe most of their fires were charcoal. But it turns out that these are the only two places in the New Testament that the word charcoal is used, so that seems pretty unlikely. So Jesus brings Peter right back to that critical moment of denial and now asks him three times, do you love me? However, without the Greek, something critical is lost in this story. Remember, as we've discussed many times at the Advent, there were many types of love in Greek. Three of the most important ones are eros, this want to unite as one that's sort of gotten turned into this sexual thing in our days, but it was more of this want to be completely one with another. Philo, which is brotherly love, and agape, the self-sacrificing love. The remarkable thing is that in this story, Jesus doesn't use the same form of love each time he asks Peter, do you love me? Nor does Peter respond with the same word that Jesus is asking him about. Let's hear the passage with that in mind. So Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love agape me more than these? And Peter said to him, Yes, Lord, you know I philo, philo you. I brotherly love you. He said to him, Feed my lambs. And then Jesus asked him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you agape me? And he said to him, Yes, Lord, you know I philo you. He said to him, Tend my sheep. And then he said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, 
Not, a, not agape this time. Jesus says, do you feel in me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything, and you know that I feel of you. So Jesus said, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you were old, you'll stretch out your hands, and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. In this story, the Lord asked Peter twice whether he has self-sacrificial love. And Peter twice says, Lord, I love you like a brother. In this case, understanding the words underneath really helped to explain why Peter gets so upset the third time Jesus asks him. It isn't because he keeps asking him the same question. He's upset because Jesus asks him a different question. Because Jesus knows that he isn't going to get agape love out of Peter right now. But he's made clear his expectation. And Peter is upset that the Lord is condescending to all Peter is willing to offer at that moment. Philo. Not so much because the Lord asks him three times. And Jesus' different response, follow me here, makes sense. Because that's what Peter will need to do to reach agape love for God. Although Jesus is satisfied with Philo for now, he tells Peter he will definitely, ultimately have agape because he prophesizes his martyrdom, the ultimate form of agape. So yes, Christ is risen. But instead of all the suffering and sadness ending, the Bible tells us the hard work is just beginning. That's why we need the fulfillment of Jesus' promise, the Holy Spirit, to guide and comfort us. We can't do this alone. And neither could Peter and the rest of the disciples. They needed the Holy Spirit to assist them in their walk toward agape and toward martyrdom. As the Apostle Paul tells us in Romans, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Today, do you know where to begin? If not, take heart. The Holy Spirit is here to comfort and help us by advocating for us when we don't even know where to start. And Jesus' death defeats death, the curse that the prince of this world brought upon it. But that's just the initiation. Renewal, rebirth, and recreation will come in time. The Holy Spirit descends upon the earth, recreating it and breathes a new life that no one can take away, not even the devil and his wives. The Holy Spirit proves that the devil is indeed defeated once and for all because he comes, because he came and abides with us still today. God is with us. The Jews knew that the Shekinah glory had left the temple, and they awaited it, returning to the temple with great hope. They wanted God to be with them again. Little did they expect that God would really be with them, not in the temple in Jerusalem, but in the temple of every person's heart. Great should be our joy. As Jesus says, all things that the Father hath are mine. Therefore said I that he shall take of mine and shall show it to you. But this is not some sort of passive show. We're not just sitting on the couch watching a cosmic television. Instead, Jesus is saying that the what the Father has is also mine, and the Spirit shall take what is mine and share it with you so that you can experience it directly. That is, if you're willing to. In other words... Jesus is here right now. But as the disciples, 
We know that we must suffer to achieve glory. We must take up our cross. We must carry the burdens of this world, just as Christ did. Like St. Simon helping Jesus carry his cross, the Holy Spirit helps us carry ours. If you today have philo, just brotherly love for Jesus, if Jesus is just your friend today, that's a good start, and that's okay. That's where Peter was, too. However, Jesus is calling us all to agape, self-sacrificial love. And if we are to be with him in the end, we have to die. And I'm not talking about that event at the end of your lives. I'm talking about now. In fact, I pray we're never called to answer with our physical martyrdom for our faith as all the disciples were, save John, who was exiled to Potmos, which I'm not sure was a fate much better than death. If we're not called to that form of martyrdom, we still must die to this world. And to die to this world, we must sacrifice. We must show agape, not just philo, to our neighbor and to Jesus. The good news is we don't have to do this alone. In fact, we can't do it alone. And God knows this. That's why he sent his spirit into our hearts. So, o Heavenly King, the Comforter, the Spirit of Truth, who art everywhere present and fillest all things, treasury of good blessings and giver of life, come and abide in us and cleanse us from every stain and save our souls, O gracious one. May the Holy Spirit come and transform us, as it did Peter, from the ordinary to the extraordinary, from philo to agape, from fearful into fearless, from sorrowful into joyful, Christ has overcome death, the devil, and the world. And so can we. Christ is risen. Talks at Advent. Homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia.